welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. This is episode 312. My name is Bill. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Hope all is well with you. My household, as we're recording, is on day four of my daughter's quarantine for COVID. She came back from uh, an event four days ago with uh, a bunch of awards and COVID. First couple days were kind of rough. Uh, She's feeling a little better now, but current protocols being what they are, she's got another day of quarantine. The rest of the household, including me, took COVID tests right after she tested positive, and we were all negative. But we're waiting uh, with excitement to take another test tomorrow to see if we're still negative. Fingers crossed for that, because we're supposed to do some traveling later in the week. If I happen to be graced with the joy that is COVID, I will update you as things develop, in case you're interested in that sort of thing. But as you're listening to this, I may be locked away in a room somewhere, I don't know, in a straitjacket under heavy sedation. I'm not exactly sure what you do when you get COVID. Maybe they bring you puppies and people to pleasure you sexually. I I don't know. I'm not sure how COVID works exactly. But whatever's going on, I may be doing that as you're hearing this episode. But as I'm recording right now, I'm perfectly fine. And, uh, Life is good, except it's really hot here. So I'm going to move this recording along because even with air conditioning, the part of the house that I'm in is pretty warm. So let's get on to happier things. I think I mentioned last episode the new Atari Lego set. Of course, it's been making its rounds on the uh, social medias. It's pretty pricey. 240 bucks. That's a lot of money for a Lego set. So um, as much as I would like to get one, I like Lego, I like Atari. I do an Atari podcast, I kind of feel like I should. That's a lot of money to spend on a Lego set. So I don't know if or when. Well, I probably know if. I I will at some point get it. I just don't know when. If any of you happens to drop the cash for this and you want to send us a review of uh, what you think of it once you've gotten it open and mess around with it, please do, and I'll share it on the show. In the meantime, we've got games to play and stories to tell, darn it. So let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is... They think I'm trapped, but I'll escape. Tunnel Runner, the new video game where you don't look down on the maze. You're in it. Monster! He's smart, I gotta outsmart him. Oh, he's fast, I gotta be faster. Tunnel Runner, with Ram Plus to megacharge your Atari VCS for three times the excitement. Right, left. Better check them out. It's the exit! To another maze. Tunnel Runner, from CBS Electronics, where the excitement never ends. I'm not trapped. I'm not trapped. Tunnel Runner, for the 2600, from CBS Electronics, 1983. So, I'm looking at a list of the games that CBS Electronics put out, because I'm trying to see if there are any on here that I've played that I actually liked. Well, Donkey Kong, I guess. Wait, was that a CBS Electronics game? Blueprint. I guess I liked... I think I liked Blueprint okay, but it was needlessly complicated. As you know, I have an issue with Atari games that I I like the ones that stretch a little bit and reach for something, but I don't like the ones that are unnecessarily complicated. And Blueprint, I think, was one of those. So, not to telegraph what I'm going to say about this game later. Well, you know what, I'll save it for later. Let's talk about what Tunnel Runner is. Tunnel Runner is a game that has a creepy cover on the manual. Got these weird little round heads with sharp fangs and angry eyes. Ooh, 
chilling angry eyes staring out at you from the manual and looking way scarier than the actual enemies in the game, one of which you also see on the manual. We'll get to him in a minute. We're using the joystick for this game. There are two games, games one and two, as they are helpfully numbered. Game one features memorized mazes. Maze configurations remain the same every time you play. Game two features torture tunnels, randomly generated mazes, different ones every time you play. Hit reset to start the game, not surprisingly. The beginning of the game is indicated by the appearance of the phrase run one in the upper score line. As soon as the timeline on the bottom of the screen is fully charged, you may begin your first attempt at escape. Run for your life! Exclamation point. Get a move on, tunnel runner. These monstrous maze zots have picked up your scent, and there's only one item on the menu. You. You've been running up and down tunnels like a rat for so long, you're starting to develop a taste for cheese. Eh. Oh, sure, you can get out, but you just haven't been able to find the key to the right escape door, that's all. Wait, there it is. Quickly, pick it up and start making tracks for that door. You can hear one of those zots hot on your heels. No time to check the map. This better be the right way. There's a door up ahead. You did it. You're free. Sorry, tunnel runner. Not quite. Because, and this is me talking, because much like uh, life itself, getting out of one horrible torture tunnel just dumps you into another one. It's a little bit like, um, I don't know. This is an okay comparison, I guess. It's a little bit like the Twilight Zone. Remember the Twilight Zone? Good show. Where, you know... The hero, the protagonist, would work and struggle and try to get through the conflict of the week. And finally they're there and we're free and we're out, only to realize they were in the the same place all along. Twilight Zone endings were always like, turns out you were the last human on Earth after all. Or something. And that's kind of what Tunnel Runner's like. You're, You're fighting to get free only to get dumped into another tunnel. The object of Tunnel Runner is to successfully escape from an endless series of colorful, complex, three-dimensional mazes called runs. To do this, you must find the key hidden in each run. While in a run, points are scored for every new room you enter. Bonus points are awarded based on how long it takes you to escape from each run. In Tunnel Runner, you, not a dot on the screen, are actually in the game, surrounded by walls as far as the eye can see. This is sort of the claim to fame for Tunnel Run, right? The built-in RAM Plus trademark power chip makes this unique first-person perspective possible. What you see on the screen is what actually lies right in front of you. In other words, you can only see straight ahead no matter what direction you're pointed in. It may take a few games before you get used to this tunnel vision. I'm just going on record right here and say, I appreciate what you were trying to do, CBS Electronics, and I imagine it was kind of cool in 1983. But I also imagine that it kind of sucked in 1983, and I find it, well, and I can say it sucks because, again, I appreciate what you did, but I did find it super annoying. You begin each game with three lives. The solid squares in the upper score line indicate how many of your lives are left. Use your joystick controller to maneuver within each run. Hold the joystick with the red button in your upper left corner toward the screen. Push it forward and you'll move ahead. Pull it back and you'll move backwards. As you move, you'll hear a footstep for every step you take. To change the direction you're pointed in, push the joystick to the left or right. These actions also have their own characteristic sounds. Throughout each run, you'll have to change directions in order to turn corners and or enter escape doors. Confused already? I sure was when I played. If at any time you crash into a wall, you hear a loud thud indicating a need to try a different direction. You'll be awarded one extra life for every thousand points scored up to a maximum of four lives in reserve at any particular time. Runs are made up of intricate patterns of walls which 
form the twisting tunnels and corridors you must run through. As you move down a tunnel, you'll notice breaks in the wall pattern. These breaks indicate corners. You can turn a corner by changing the direction you're pointed in. As you approach the intersection, ready yourself on the joystick. As soon as you reach it, push the joystick in the direction of the desired turn, and you'll then be looking down a new tunnel. After some practice, you'll be speeding down tunnels and turning corners like a pro. I found this very irritating because I could not get control. I, I couldn't control my joystick friends to make my guy stop where he needed to stop to turn a corner. Basically, he would run until he thudded into a wall. It's old really quick. The floor of each run is divided into colored sections, each new color representing one room of the run. Points are scored every time you run into a room for the first time within that run. Point value is determined by the run number. For example, in run 1, you receive 1 point for every room you enter for the first time. In run 2, 2 points, run 3, 3 points, etc. A flashing floor section indicates the presence of one of the four different types of escape doors scattered throughout each run. As soon as you come to the middle of a flashing floor section, it will automatically stop dead in your tracks. You may then look around in all directions to find the escape door embedded in one of the surrounding walls. Mm -hmm. After doing so, you may decide to enter the escape door if you can, or keep on running in whatever direction is available to you. Choice is yours. You may resume running immediately upon entering a flashing floor section without taking time to examine the escape door. The up and double doors are the ones that you have to find if you expect to progress to the next run. A door with an arrow pointing, one arrow pointing up is a safe way out of the run and into the next. A door with two arrows will send you into run two levels higher than the one you just got out of. And to enter either one of these escape doors, you have to find the flashing key located elsewhere on the run floor. Once you see it, pass over it and pick it up. Your compass arrow in the lower left corner of the screen will then begin to flash. It is impossible to enter an up or down door without the key. The key is just basically a triangle. There is only one key per run, and when you pick it up, you'll be able to keep it for as long as you're in the run, even if a maze zot catches you. A nice touch. A door with two arrows pointing inward indicates a transport, which tosses you around the run you're in and drops you off in a random location. You do not need a key to enter a transport. A door with two arrows pointing down indicates a down door. This forces you into the preceding run. While trapped in that run, you will receive no points for running through rooms and no bonus points for escape. You should only enter this one if you don't feel like you have any other choice, and you do not need a key to enter it. When you find the key and manage to escape through an up or down, an up or double down, an up or double up door, you get bonus points based upon the time left on your timeline when you escaped. The higher the level of run you escaped from, the greater the bonus point potential. Once bonus points are awarded, your timeline recharges for your attempt at escaping from the next run. Previous less successful tunnel runners have left behind special maps for each of the runs you'll find yourself trapped in. Ideally, a map will show you the following. The entire area of the run, your position in the run and the direction you're headed in, indicated by a yellow arrow, the position and direction of movement of the maze zots, indicated by colored circles, in motion, basically white and gray. A map never shows you the location of a key, the layout of rooms within a run, the location of escape doors. But as you progress, you discover that some maps are more useful than others. To check the map, you press down on the button on your joystick, hold it down for as long as you want to look at the map. While checking the map, you are prevented from both moving and changing direction. Maze zots, however, are constantly in motion. You can use your map to note their movements and relative speeds. There are gray zots, which are slow, dumb, and careless, and pretty easy to get away from. White zots that are faster and smarter, but you can probably still outrun them. And red zots are the quickest, most intelligent of all. 
Only the gray ones are present in run 1. Run 2 has both gray and white. After that, all three of the little nasties are in the run. At no time can Azat enter an escape door. And if Azat manages to catch you, you forfeit the life in play, and your next life starts at a random location in the same run. The compass is located in the lower left corner of the screen. It indicates the direction of your movement relative to the map. Compass is useful for keeping track of where you're going, especially when you're trapped in a run whose map does not reveal your location. The longer you hold your, hold your joystick in either the forward or backward position, the faster your speed of movement. The more expert you become, the greater your chances of running into some of its many secrets, including the, some mysterious maze magic. These secret features may confuse you at first, but in the long run, pardon the pun, they'll increase the challenge and make playing Tunnel Runner even more exciting. Game ends when you forfeit your last life in the brave but futile attempt to escape from the monstrous maze Zots. Strategy. Keep your ears open. The more familiar you become with the maze Zots characteristic sound, the better you'll be at making quick decisions to run or wait without having to check the map. Learn to run and turn without stopping. Don't spend too much time staring at the map. There's a 90-day limited warranty on the video game cartridge. Tunnel Runner is Dick Bucko Belaska, uh, Belaska's first game for CBS Electronics. Married with, with a finite number of children, he makes his home deep in the crustacean layer of Connecticut. DB graciously thanks Cindy and is Cindy and Isis for their countenance while they lived inside TR. It's rumored that his flat is still somewhere in there. His hobbies are fast bikes, fast chips. Okay. Kudos also go out to Trevor Marshall and Lou Abagnero. Abagnero. Sure, I'm butchering that. My apologies. For their support and to Cole Stone for his outstanding computer graphics. A round of applause to Andy Frank, the man responsible for the eerie sounds of Tunnel Runner. And a special note of thanks to Rich Eckerstam and Dan Rappaport for keeping things going where the going got weird. And normally, that'd be where you'd throw the manual across the room and go get ice cream instead. But this time, there's a bonus page. It's like uh, it's like one of those uh, scenes. I have to, one of those cut scenes at the end of uh, a Marvel movie. This one is a pay, another page in the manual. It says, Attention Tunnel Runners. In order to provide you with the best possible gameplay experience, minor changes were made to the Tunnel Runner game program after our gameplay manuals were printed. These changes are as follows. You get an extra life at 5,000 points, and another every 10,000 points after that, up to a maximum of four lives in reserve. To enter a double up door, you must not only have the flashing key, but you must first have seen a single up door somewhere else in the run while in possession of the key. If no time is left on your timeline when you escape a run, you'll be forced to repeat the run and you will continue to score points for doing so. Maps have been known to show the position of the key within the first 16 runs, which is correct because I was seeing it in my runs and I definitely was not beyond 16 runs. So I was confused when I was looking at the manual and it was like, well, you don't get to see the key, but apparently you do. An additional little beast who's extremely fast but not too smart is the Blue Maze Zot. The amount of points you score for escaping the run is based on the time remaining on your timeline multiplied by the run number you've escaped into. You didn't know you were going to have to do math, did you? In other words, you'll score more points for escaping through a double up door than for escaping through a single up door. Keep this sheet with your gameplay manual for future reference. Happy tunnel running, CBS Electronics. And that, unless I'm mistaken and there's another extra sheet out there somewhere, is how you play Tunnel Runner from CBS Electronics, 1983. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, 
I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. I alluded to this earlier, but Tunnel Runner is one of the three Atari games that CBS Electronics did that features an additional 256 bytes of RAM in each cartridge, i.e. RAM Plus, that's what they called me in college. The other two were Mountain King and their uh, their port of Omega Race. I think I might have done Mountain King on the show. don't think I've done an Omega Race. Ah yes, Mountain King was featured in episode 131, if you care to go listen to that again. RetroGameReviews.co.uk observes that for such a graphically primitive title on an underpowered system, it's remarkable how intense the gameplay can be, and it surprisingly evokes feelings of perpetual stress as if it were a survival horror game. Part of this is the excellent special effects. Basically, the, the noise is alerting you when you're in the vicinity, vicinity of a Zot, how they get louder or quieter depending on your spatial distance. Also, the maze Zot sprite scaling when you're captured is astounding for a late 70s console, with the enemy taking up a large portion of the screen. The action could seem repetitive, but what keeps things interesting are the continual additions, such as new enemy types and maps that begin hiding the, te- the exit. Tunnel Runner is a real gem in the 2600 library, and it's hard to put into words how impressive the 3D engine is unless you've experienced it. Game Facts, in a review over there by Retro Rolled, says that Tunnel Runner is way ahead of its time. Games like this usually come around near the end of a console's life. This one was released in 83, likely at the height of the video game crash, a gem of a game that accomplishes far too much for a game system originally designed in the 70s to play Pong and its variants. On the surface, the game may bear a resemblance to a 3D version of Pac-Man, maze to navigate, Chet, Zots with their own personalities, Chet, run into a Zot and you die, Chet. But after that, there's much more. You're like a rat in a maze, that you have to solve, the game throws clever challenges at you, basically the, the map revealing different things to you and, and uh, the, the setting changing. Where this game also excels is the peculiar brand of tension it creates both by its use of highly advanced graphics for the time and most importantly by its sound design, basically what the previous reviewer was saying. I cannot think of any negatives to this game and easily rate it one of the top 10 games for the system. The only gripe is that my cartridge disintegrated over time, just after it started to get buggy. Grab this game if you can, and never let it go. The classic Game Room Wiki observes that this game pretty much has every Atari sound ever in it. It's like a first-person shooter released 10 years before Doom. If you see it at a garage sale, you should pick it up, and they recommend it. Short and to the point. Tunnel Runner, according to Dr. Spuds, is the hardest game to find from CBS Electronics, but is well worth it. I found something quite touching, actually, with this game. I got lucky and snagged a cart with the manual, and on the back of the manual, there are a couple of paragraphs about the programmers themselves. It's very charming. And then he repeats what I read earlier. That's just downright wholesome, and I feel better now after reading it. This game is great fun. The premise is simple. Escape or be eaten. Well, actually, it's a bit more complicated than that. You are stuck in a great big maze, and you must evade the evil zots to escape to the next maze, and then the next, and the next. Repeat ad nauseum. Overall, very fun. 
a bit repetitive at times, but I never found myself getting tired of it. Okay, now I think it's time that I come clean about something. It, uh, I've been doing this a while, and I, I, I think we all know each other pretty well, so this is a safe space. I, I, can, I can get something off my chest uh, here before we go on with, with the review. My frustration with this game is not simply its effort to be a, a 3D immersive experience. I kind of applaud them for that. My frustration is, <sighs> friends... I am directionally challenged. I don't do well with directions. If you tell me how to get somewhere and you're like, we take a left at the signpost and then you, you go uh, you know, 40 paces and you know half a mile and it's a right and then uh, another left and you go that direction and and you'll be there. I'm always like, oh, okay, I see. And I do, when you're telling me. And then when I head out, uh, yeah, I, I have no idea what you said. Uh, and it's even worse, God help me, if you give me directions in terms of things being north or east or west of something, you might as well be speaking Klingon. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And that's just kind of the way it is. So, maybe my issue with this game, and I'm jumping ahead here, is that I don't do well with maps and directions. Intellectually, I get it, and I look at it. So I had a hard time with this game because the map didn't seem in my head to match the direction that my guy was going. And to be fair, I don't think it's all me. I think it's a little bit the, the mechanic of the game, too. The way your little compass works. I actually would kind of prefer they didn't even have this compass. But they do. And, uh, and I had to deal with it. So, as I'm talking about this game the rest of this episode, just remember that I'm a directionally challenged human. And, uh, yeah. Take that into consideration. I will try to do the same, CBS Electronics, and we'll all try to be more understanding from here on out. Oh, I feel better now, getting that out in the open. And, you know, I, I would, you know, head out to uh, to the local convenience store and, and pick up a refreshing soda kind of clear my head, but I don't know how to get there, so I'm just going to power through. I thought this might be a good point to talk about what Tunnel Runner is not. We've talked a little bit about what Tunnel Runner is, but here are some things that Tunnel Runner is not. Tunnel Runner is not Tunnelen, T-U-N-N-E-L-E-N, which was a 2000, uh, 2016 short film from Norway, released under the English title The Tunnel, uh, written and directed by Andre Overdahl, based on a short story by Alice Glazer, not to be confused with the 2019 full-length Norwegian film with the same title. In the film, a family returning home from a swim are caught in a slow-moving traffic jam, basically among a sea of identical black hearse-like self-driving cars, 
along a multi-lane highway leading to a tunnel. At times, the tunnel must be closed, forcing all vehicles to shut down and giving people time to stand outside. As people approach the tunnel, it becomes apparent that it is used as a means of population reduction. While passing through, Peter and his new friend Ava are concerned that they will be caught in it during the next closure. A car from another lane decides to change lanes within the tunnel, delaying the family's progress. They make it out of the tunnel just before its next closure. Peter looks around but can't find Ava's car. The end, evidently. So go check out that film. Send us a review of what you think. But just remember, Tunnelin is not Tunnel Runner. Tunnel Runner is also not the 2021 film, The Runner, in which after being busted for drug possession, Aiden, a troubled teenager, is forced by the cops to go undercover and risk his life to bring down a dangerous drug kingpin, which gets 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb. But don't worry, this game isn't that either. Tunnel Runner is also, much to my brain's disappointment, the 1987 film The Running Man, which is what I think of for some reason. What I picture whenever I think about this game, I picture Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Running Man. I don't know why. The Running Man is a 1987 American dystopian action film directed by Paul Michael Michael Glazer, starring Schwarzenegger, Maria Conchita Alonso, Richard Dawson, Yafet Toto, and Jesse Ventura. The film's story about a television show where convicted criminal runners must escape death at the hands of professional killers is very loosely based on the 1982 novel of the same name written by Stephen King, published under his pseudonym Richard Bachman. But this game is not that movie, and vice versa. But that's what I picture when I think of this game. Maybe it has something to do with Richard Dawson being in the movie. At my house, for some unknown reason, we watch a lot of the Buzzer channel on the Roku. This episode sponsored by Roku. I'm kidding about that, but I'm open. And Richard Dawson, of course, hosted uh, famously uh, the most popular edition, probably. No offense, Steve Harvey, of uh, Family Feud from the 70s, uh, during which time he was big-time sexist. wasn't just him, of course. You watch any game show from that era, big-time sexist. Again, nothing to do with Tunnel Runner. But Dawson's in it, and he uh, somehow is on my mind a lot because that channel is on in my house a lot. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a strange individual. If Tunnel Runner reminds you guys of anything unusual, what the hell? Feel free to share it. In the meantime, after the break, our tunnel vision compels us to run over this game again and again, back and forth, back and forth. Thankfully, you only have to sit through this show once. Tunnel Runner, Henry. Do you know anything about this game? No, I didn't really either. I guess there's running in the game, and I suppose you're in a tunnel, and we're about to have an amazing 3D experience. Henry, are you ready for this? He is so ready, he is pumped. Alright, let's put on our 3D glasses. Just kidding, we don't really need 3D glasses. And let's immerse ourselves in the 3D world of Tunnel Runner. Gratuitous shot in my head. Whoa! This isn't the 3D part. It's just the map. So we have a map. And now, whoa! Look at that, man. Let's run. That's me running. 
Holy crap. That's me smacking into the wall. Now I'm going this way. I wonder where I am. Oh, I can look at my map. Wait, I have to start running first. Okay, so. That's me. That's a gray zot. No, wait. That's a white zot. That's a gray zot. I don't know what that is. I think it might be a key. That's the compass down there. I guess it's supposed to orient me. I'm about to get dot by a zot. See, I spent all that time talking to you people, and I got dot by a zot. Alright, so. Now, we are over here for reasons, I guess. So, I am going to go this way. I have a hard time with the directions in this game because it's not real intuitive and I don't have a great sense of direction anyway. So, put those two things together and somehow I've ended up down here at the bottom of the screen. Alright, so... Whoa, I don't know what's going on there. I think I might have stepped on a trap door or something which do pop up from time to time and I am over here now so I guess that's what happened. Alright, so I want to go that away from my perspective. Yeah, now I am over here it's a fairly tedious game Uh, very primary colors, very 1983 Atari. What do you think of the look of this game, Henry? Mm. Meh. He's shrugging. And I kind of agree with him. Alright, now... I'm going that way. Let's see, I want to go up... No, I don't want to go back that way. goal, I'm not going to make you sit through me trying to get there, but the goal is to get over here and get out so you can get to run number two. Uh, nothing really happens in this game other than you trying to move around this maze and maybe getting got by a zot. I have a hard time understanding how to reorient the compass, as you can tell from watching this. This is the number of guys you have, these are the points. There's not a lot of ways to get points, and the points you get, it's not like 50 or 100, it's a point here and there. The point, if I may, is not really to get points. The point is to move through the runs, which are supposed to get more and more difficult, although I'm already having enough trouble as it is. Alright, well that's enough of that fun. I think we've uh, got enough of an idea of what Tunnel Runner is. I'll have more to say in the regular episode. Henry, do you have any burning thoughts about Tunnel Runner? Nope, he has no thoughts about this game, which may be a clue to what this game is like. But I'll have more to say later. Back to you in the studio. Hey Atari fans, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer, the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. 
You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. Second Duck on the Right and Other Very Short Stories is my new short story collection. Duck con artists, zombies, things on fire, supervillain angst, and a future without poop are just a few of the topics in these stories. Also the occasional really bad poem. Waddle on over to your favorite bookseller or swim downstream to my website, tarnivalofgleecreations.com, for more information. Insert quacking up joke here. Here's the thing about Tunnel Runner. I've already kind of said, I found this game a little frustrating, but that could be my directional issues. But I don't think it's entirely that. I think that the mechanic, I think the map actually confuses things more than it helps. It was just you running through a maze without that stupid map. It might actually be better. It would be nice if there was something more going on than these weird little round ball zot things. If they were uh, dragons or something chasing you and you you could shoot them instead of just running maybe that would be more interesting i mean the escape doors and trap doors and things that's all fine but again i think the map gets in the way i like the attempt to make sort of a 3d immersive thing that's all good i just found the game overall frustrating might be because of the direction thing it might be that i'm hot It, it is retro heat here today my kid has covid maybe i have covid it's hard to know but i just wasn't feeling it when I was playing today. Maybe on another day I would. Uh, The reviews were certainly very complimentary. If you guys have thoughts about Tunnel Runner and you want to argue with me, or agree with me, let me know. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story. Story, story, story time. With Bill. This week's story is titled Tunnel Vision. The covered bridge over Bystander Creek had for decades served the noble cause of spanning an increasingly dry body of water. The trusses of the 104 year old bridge were too low to accommodate really large trucks, but that was okay. Lannister County was not a heavily traveled transportation hub. But the rural environs, trees, trails, tequila shooters, made the county a popular destination for outdoor lovers. But these visitors always took the long way around. No one ever took the Bystander Creek Tunnel. No one. Because people knew. All of Leinster County knew. If you try to cross Bystander Creek via the covered bridge, you will not come out on the other end of the tunnel. Where do you come out? Who knows? People just disappear. Cars, too. The occasional deer that wanders onto the road and into the tunnel. Poof. Gone. A substantial portion of the county's residents knew someone who knew someone who heard from someone else that a loved one had tried to cross the bridge and never came out on the other side. Also, this only seemed to happen at night. That detail was important. It added to the spookiness. Less people around to question it. Everyone knows bad things happen at night, so all this must be true. Dubious, perhaps, but enough for the average person to believe it. But what exactly was going on? Was the bridge haunted? cursed, parked over a black hole or a wormhole to another galaxy, 
maybe all of the above. Every few years around Halloween, one of the local networks would send out the newest reporter to stand in front of the tunnel with a camera person and do a piece about all this. The rest of the year, the tunnel sat waiting to fulfill its purpose and rarely getting to do so. Except for all the banging, Ainsley Morris said, observing some hash marks on one of the crossbeams inside the tunnel. What? Her cousin Teddy asked. This is a popular place for kids from school to come and, you know, do the deed, she said. Then they add to the tally up here. She pointed to the long list of marks. Huh, Teddy said. He grinned. You ever? Of course not, Ainsley said. Of course, Teddy said. Too proper to do it in a dirty old tunnel. Also, Ainsley said, all the kids at school suck. Teddy had a response, locked and loaded, but left it in the chamber. Whatever the truth about the bystander bridge, its reputation made it occasionally a bit of an attraction for bridge nerds. It was also a good place to hide a geocache. So when Teddy asked, what are we doing in here? Ainsley explained, hunting for a geocache. Uh, what now? A geocache. G-E-O-C-A-C-H-E. People hide little containers with stuff in them in parks or cemeteries or whatever, then put the coordinates where the cache is hidden on this website so other people can track them down. Like treasure or whatever? Ainsley, Ainsley shook her head. Nope, sorry, no doubloons or jewels or anything. Little stuff. Stickers, tiny toys, whatever. You find it, look at it, then you probably take a picture of it, then you sign a little sheet in the box, then you sign a little sheet that's also in the box to prove that you found it, and then you put everything back where it was. Why? It's a challenge, Ainsley said. Some of the stuff is really hard to find. Sometimes you can walk right up to it and it's just like in a hole or under a rock or something. Not that hard. Other times, though, you've got to climb a tree or something to get it. The one we're looking for today is rated difficulty 5. She looked at Teddy as if this should impress him. Wow, Teddy said, recognizing his cue. Ainsley swiped her phone's flashlight up one wall of the tunnel, across the roof, and down the other side. This tunnel isn't that big, she said. Can't be that hard to find. Look for anything out of place. Like us? Teddy asked. Ainsley ignored him, walking slowly along the wall toward the opposite end of the bridge. Could be pretty small, like a film canister. A what? Teddy interrupted. People used to have to take the film out of their cameras and take to places to get pictures developed, right? They put the, uh, the rolls of film in little plastic bottles. People like to use those bottles for geocaches. Or maybe band-aid boxes. Something like that. Something that looks, looks like it shouldn't be here. And is weatherproof. Like this? Teddy said, pointing. Ainsley stepped over to him, following his gaze. Ew, no, don't touch that. Well, it shouldn't be here, that's for sure, Teddy said. Ainsley studied her phone. These are the right coordinates, she said. We should be right on top of it. Just keep looking. Sun's going down, Teddy said. You said we were going to dinner. I guess the cache could be on the roof, Ainsley said. It is a level five. Do you have a ladder? Teddy patted his pockets. I guess I left it in my other jacket. Oh, hey, I've got a rope in the car. Maybe we could lasso the weather vane on the roof of the bridge and just kind of repel up there or something. Easy enough. I don't want to climb a rope in the dark to find some kid's toy. I can't even keep, Teddy said, not unreasonably. It might be costume jewelry this time, Ainsley pointed out, and I did say this one was difficulty level five. She headed toward the east end of the bridge to go to her car. Then she stopped. Let go, Teddy. I want to get this done, she said. I haven't moved, Teddy said. I'm not holding on to you. He walked toward her. The Lannister County twilight creeping into the tunnel was abruptly replaced with a cap of black. Frozen in place, Teddy and Ainsley could only turn their heads. 
Over their shoulders, they saw a sphere of darkness cover the other end of the tunnel. All was dark and nauseating. Blorn, stop shaking that, Blairn said. Let's just open it. Blorn set the bystander bridge down on the deck of the interplanetary scout ship. In one claw, he grasped the bridge, and with the other claw, pulled the cap of the east end of the bridge open and sighed. <sighs> just two humans again. Well, this one wasn't. It was only a difficulty level two, Blairn said. The easy ones always have crap in them. Blorn consulted his GPS. There's a level four cache hidden on Mars, it said. We could find it before Blanche if we hurry. Plus, if we mess up the sand on Mars' surface, the humans will poop themselves. Blorn and Blairn enjoyed a good laugh at that. Look, I know it's protocol to put the caches back undisturbed, Blairn said, but we're totally going to eat these humans, right? Of course, Blorn said. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Tortney for the Storytime theme. Run now and tunnel under the fence into Apple Podcasts to leave your vision of a five-star review. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, check us out on Instagram. You can also call us, too, and leave a voicemail, because I'm never, ever going to answer the phone, COVID or no COVID, but the number is 563-265-1978. I am waiting to hear from you, as long as you're not that person who keeps calling to tell me that my vehicle's warranty is out of date. Check out the website, www, because that's how websites work, carnivalofgleecreations.com, where you're going to find this show. You're also going to find my other show. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown. You're also going to find information about books that I've written, including... Second Duck on the Right and other very short stories. Info about the books, places you can order them. It's a magical website, people. Anything you want to know about me and stuff that I've done is over there. All in one place. How cool is that? You might consider supporting the show as well by uh, becoming a subscriber over there on Patreon.com, link in the show notes, where you can get bonus material. You can get access to these episodes early. You can get videos truly awful videos of the field reports. Um, occasionally I throw other stuff up there that is only available to the patrons, and you can access all of that stuff by being a supporter. You can also be part of an exclusive club of other Patreon supporters who all have my incredible undying gratitude. And those people are Michael Tyler, Jose Cazeta, Sean Courtney, M. West, Jeremy L., Mark Super, Jim Goebel, and Robert Ferguson. Thanks to one and all. All right, we're about out of here. All that's left is to tell you next time on Atari Bytes. Stronghold for the 2600 is our game next time. I think I'm only playing it because when I was looking at this game, stuff about this game, I happened to see mentioned Stronghold. So I said, sure, why don't I play that game too? So I'm gonna. I know nothing else about it, but we'll learn about it together. If you guys have thoughts about Stronghold... Feel free to share them with me. In the meantime, go play some old games. They've missed you.